sing your praise. We want to sing your praise because of who you are and all that you've done for us, Lord God. We just give you the glory tonight as we come into your house. And Lord, we just pause in the middle of our week to reflect upon your word, to hear from you. Lord, you see everyone that is here tonight in person, those that have joined online, those that in future days will drop in to give a listen to your word. I pray, oh God, for each one. You know the needs of their heart, the situations in their life. Oh God, and for such a time as now as they've come to listen, would you pour into them? Would you water them? Would you refresh them? Would you nourish and feed them according to their needs? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, have a seat, everybody. We want to remember our pastor and the several in the group that is uh, preparing right now uh, to leave and go onward to Israel. So... Uh, as you are going through your days, for the next 10 days, keep them in prayer. Keep them covered in prayer that they would be protected from anything that could be happening over there. Right now, they're in a ceasefire, but you never know. And so uh, we trust in the hand of God and the protection of him over them to bring them there safely and to return them home safely. Amen. Amen. So it seems funny tonight because we are going to pick up where we left off. And I don't know if anybody remembers where we left off, but we were in Philippians. You remember that much, right? We were in the book of Philippians. We had started Philippians chapter 3, and we were speaking about Paul and his desire to know God. And so tonight we're going to uh, continue from that, and I've titled it, Pressing On in Our Christian Life, Pressing On Towards the Goal That God Has for Us. So Philippians, it says there 12 to 14, but... It's okay. We're going to go a little past 14 till the end of chapter 3. So if you would just open your word with me or scroll into your phone. Um, we'll just begin by reading verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers... I do not consider, consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory 
in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So Paul picks us up tonight in our study uh, in, in, in telling us that he is going to press on. But where we last left him a few weeks back, we heard him say this, verses 10 and 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may obtain resurrection from the dead, that I may know him. That's where we all join in. Yeah, Paul, I want to know Jesus too, that I may know him, that I may know his power. Yes, I want to know, I want a taste of his power. And then he goes on, he says, that I may share in his sufferings. Okay. Stop, Paul. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want a taste of his power. But suffering like Jesus did, not many of us would want to jump on that bandwagon. Not many of us would want to say, yes, I want to be beaten as Christ was beaten. Yes, I want to be spit upon as Christ was spit upon. I want a taste of rejection as Jesus tasted of rejection. I want to know what it's like where people would despise me. Not many of us would want to join in that journey of a walk. But Paul, in all of his zeal and aspiration to grow in his faith walk, he wanted to know Christ even to the point of his suffering. He wanted to know every aspect that there was to know of what Christ had gone through and what Christ had endured. Why? Because he wanted to become like Christ. And how many times have you said in your heart, Lord, make me more like you? Have you ever said, God, give me patience, and then all of a sudden somebody makes you upset? I figured it out one day. I thought, why do I always get upset about that? Because once upon a time I said, Lord, give me patience. And he's like, okay, I'll give you patience. <laughs> And so then I had to learn patience. I had to learn to, like, you know, pick my battles, when not to speak, when to speak, how to be quiet, how to be restrained, right? So don't pray for something if you're not ready to grow in that something. Be careful when you say, Lord, make me more like you, because there may be people on the other side of that prayer that won't like you all of a sudden, that may reject you, talk bad about you. And then you will what? Be like Paul and share in his sufferings. Make me more like Jesus, Lord, because I want a taste of your power, but I don't want to suffer like you. Well, if you want a taste of the power of Christ and you want to know him, be ready. Fasten your seatbelts. You will have to endure something 
you will have to endure something. And that is just the truth of our journey in walking with Jesus. You see, sometimes people want to experience the salvation and experience the Christ walk because of all the things they are promised in Jesus, direct access to God. Because of Jesus and, and praying to Jesus, we have access to the Father. Oh, there, oh, we're banked on. We have a direct power line that dwells within us. It is the Holy Spirit himself who comes and takes up residence within us. And so, oh, we're gained for the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gained to have access with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, but suffering, suffering, no, no, we stop there. And we're okay to have our sins removed. We're okay to be forgiven when we've done wrong or we, when we've walked a life that isn't truly pleasing of the Lord. But suffering, no. No, that's, that's somehow where we in our humanness, we, we, pause, we, we hit the pause in our Christian walk. Wait, 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 wait. I don't want to have to suffer. I don't want to have to endure hard things. I don't want to face difficulties. But Paul was truthfully honest. I want to know him. I want to share in his suffering. I want to obtain his power. Why? That I may share in the resurrection of that day. Paul was truly, if we, if we looked at, if we recall a couple weeks ago, we looked at his resume. And remember, his resume showed us that this man, based on all of the Jewish customs, that he was a righteous person. He was circumcised on the eighth day. That means his parents walked up right before the Lord. They honored the Jewish law and customs of, of that time. He says, I'm of the stock of Israel. He was a, descent of a, a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He was of the distinguished tribe. He wasn't just of any tribe, but of the distinguished tribe of en uh, Benjamin that was responsible for giving Israel her very first king. He also was a Hebrews of Hebrews. And the reason why he said this, if you recall, was because at that time there were those that had... Um, were a little bit embarrassed of some of their Hebrew customs. And so they had embraced the, the Grecian ways. And, and, and so he was saying, I am not embarrassed of my Hebrew customs. I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm not trying to be somebody else assimilating into their ways. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And you know, I'm also a Pharisee, you see. I'm of the elite group. I'm, I, I'm of those that um, are the separated ones. And then he says, oh, of course, concerning zeal, I've got more zeal than anyone. I was so zealous that um, I wanted to preserve what we believed because then the Christians came along and they were professing that this Jesus was the son of God. And, and um, I went out and I persecuted those Christians because I felt that they were being blasphemous towards my God. And so he says, I have more zeal than anyone. So here is this, this 
Paul desiring to be like Jesus, yet if we read his resume a few verses earlier, we would say, but Paul, according to that time and according to your fellow brethren, you were quite a righteous person. He even said, I was blameless. I am blameless. Paul hit a high, uh, a home run ball, if you want to say, in saying that. But it's, it, the reason why he called himself blameless is because he says, I met every prerequisite that there was according to our Jewish customs that gave someone the, na- the, um, the title of righteousness. But you know what? None of this, everything that I have said to you, if you want to say of uh, uh, verses uh, five through six, everything that I have said to you in, in all of this, I counted all but loss. It's nothing to me. It has no weight. It's rubbish for me because why? I want to know Jesus. Yes, I, I am a Jew of Jews. Yes I, yes, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Yes, I'm a Pharisee. But you know what? That's nothing to me because I want to know him. I want to know the one who came and the one who died for me. I want to experience him. And so this is where we, we reach. And so then that's why he says, not that I have already obtained this. Or that I'm perfect, but I'm pressing on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this. When we see a newborn baby, what do we say? Oh my gosh, he's so perfect. He's so perfect, she's so beautiful. But yet that baby in all of its appearance of perfection, has yet to be perfected. There's much growing that that baby will have to go through. There's much development. Its life is not yet even fully developed. And we look upon that child and and we're impressed and we're enamored by it. And yet it's far from perfect in their developmental stage. Because there's many more growth periods that 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 child will go through. And Paul is saying, you know what? Not that I have obtained this. Not that I have obtained this desire to know him. But I'm going to press on to know him. How about you tonight? Are you willing to press on to know God? Just because you've completed reading the Bible through every year for the past five years, Just because you've been faithful in your church attendance every week for the past five years, yet you've not come to that place of perfection in your spiritual walk. You've not come to that place of of being fully developed. Paul recognized he had not arrived and that his imperfection Imperfection is what made him need to press on to know Christ more. How many of you have ever watched a child role play? 
And the little girl will put on her mommy's high heels and go clack, 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 clack down the hallway, right? And she's talking to her dolls. Now, sweetheart, and the dolls never talk back. Or the boy who gets out a hammer and he's hammering away at the most precious piece of furniture. That coffee table has now have, has dings in it. Why? Because he was being just like daddy who was repairing something. And they, they are aspiring to be. And Paul was a Aspiring to be like Jesus. He desired to come to that place that I would know him and I would know of his resurrection power. Children want to be like their parents, but yet they are far from ready for the role. If a child, if a little girl walking in her mommy's high heels or a young man with his daddy's hammer tomorrow had to go out and pay the bills, they wouldn't be ready for the role. But it's through their development and through their growing years that they come to, to grow in that. Paul understood that Jesus had laid hold of his heart. He says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Has Christ made you his own? Do, can you recognize that Christ has made you his own? Can you, in, in recognizing that, press on to know him more? You see, Paul understood the power that, that accosted him, the power of God that, that he met up with on that Damascus road. Here he is en route to persecute the Christians. He is en route to, to, with, with the permission of the government that he could go and he could cause trouble with all the Christians. And, and God himself appears to him and what does, what does uh, Paul do? He fell down. Overtaken by the appearance of that light, he's, he falls down. And so he was saying to us, you don't know of the power that I have tasted of. You see, that power, I was walking in such a zeal. I was en route to bring persecution, but that power laid hold of me and stopped me in my tracks. That power laid hold of me that it caused me to be blinded externally so that I could see only internally the true condition of my soul. And, ha and can you say that of a truth tonight, that you've been blinded? Because sometimes this is what happens to us. We look at others and we say, oh, him, oh, she, if only they would. And we find all the areas where others have to perfect in their life, all the er areas of error in other people's life. But can you be blinded to those things so that you could only see introspective, Lord, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, God. It's me that is standing in that place that needs your revelation to come in, your transforming work to come in and make me into that man or woman that is walking in your measure. Lord, I want to press 
on to this. Paul is saying to us, that power that I experienced in my life when I encountered Christ, that power that exercised his grace over me, I want that power over and over and over again. I want to taste of that power every day that I know that it is him who is operating in me. It is him who is perfecting me from glory to glory. I want that power. I desire that as Christ was raised from the dead, every dead area of my life, every sin-sick state of my life will be resurrected to newness of life. As I reflect on him, he says this, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press onward to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, it says this, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow is fit to for the kingdom of God, and looks back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What was the prize that Paul was referring to when he says, I, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to the upward call. The upward call is the, is the prize that, that Paul is referring to. I'm pressing on to that place. That high calling, it comes from God. That high calling or that upward call is because it, it is a call that is only worthy of God. It's above all the ideas of man. It's a high calling because it summons us to be where Christ is, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. He says it like this in, in 1 Peter 5 and 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore Confirm, strengthen, and establish you. This is what Paul is looking at. I'm pressing on towards that call, that, one, that day that I will be restored, that day that I will be established, that day that I will be confirmed in him. The day that I will be strengthened in him. He's pressing on towards that. He's not looking back. He's pressing on. The high calling of, of Christ can only be found in him, walked out through the power of his resurrection, and it could only be fully revealed when we see him. We're pressing on towards it, but we don't fully grasp it until the day that we will see him. Second Corinthians 3.18 says this, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are what being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Who is transforming us? God is transforming us from one phase to another. He's, we are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another, from glory to glory. Paul presses on, 
and you can almost see the picture of him pressing on as a runner in the runner blocks. If anybody has ever watched track and field or watched the Olympics on, on, on TV or perhaps if you participated in them in school, there's the runner blocks and they're getting, on, they're getting ready. And just as the, uh, the man at the side has the starter gun in the air, you, could see them, you can see them bouncing getting ready to take off, right? And they begin to run their race. And if they are going to run a, a hundred meter dash, there is an anticipated end within seconds. But if they are going to run a marathon or if they have to run a 400 or a 1500, then they have to stage themselves to be able to press on to the finish line. Press on even when they cannot see the end in sight. A marathon runner will start at one side of the bay uh, of, um, of Toronto, or, or what do you call that lakefront there? Um, they'll, they'll, they'll start at one side and they'll finish at another side. Why? And they don't get to see the end in sight, but they have to continue to run. And so this is what Paul is saying. We have to continue to run. We have to keep our eyes upon the prize. What does he say in, in Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2? What does the word of God say? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, is, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I want you to picture it the way Paul is, uh, the way the passage is telling us. We have to lay everything that so easily besets us, anything that is going to weigh us down and hold us back. Right, And so Paul says we have to run. And if you're going to run with baggage on you, you're going to get winded. There's going to be a point in time in the race you're going to feel as though you cannot finish. But he says this very key point, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He doesn't say look to the finish line. He doesn't say look for the markers at the end of the road. He says look to Jesus. So we're keeping our eyes ahead. We're keeping our eyes focused that there is an end. And the end is when we are with him. The end is when we are with Christ and, and, and seated in heavenly places. Why? Because Jesus endured the cross. As we talked about for the last couple of weeks. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? That one day he would look at us and we would be with him, right? And so for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. For them, Father, for those that you sent me for, I will endure this. For those, O oh God, that you have sent me to, I will go for, through this shame. I will go through this suffering. If, and then we then should translate the words, Lord, just as you went through this suffering, so likewise I will press on, knowing that you will pour, pour your strength into me as the Father's 
so poured into you. I know that Jesus, you will pour into me. My eyes are fixed on you. They are fixed on Christ, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so as we fix them on Jesus, he brings us through. We don't stop short. Jesus never stopped short. We looked at him in the garden in the last couple of weeks when we were doing devotions. And there in the, in the garden, he says, Father, if this cup could be passed from me, but nevertheless, not my will. Father, if this cup could be passed from me, but nevertheless, not my will. And so there in that tiresome, grease, um, tiresome moment and grievous moment, he was calling out to his father, but the father poured into him strength. And in Luke's rendition, he speaks of the angels that came and ministered to him. If Jesus went before the Father and asked for that cup to pass from him. He knows when we have been in those places where we are just tired. Lord, I'm just tired from it all. Lord, when will I ever get a break? God, when will this suffering ever come to an end? When will it be over? When, uh, God, I can't just face another day looking at this problem again. And Jesus says, Father, if this cup could be passed from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Knowing what? That in going to the cross, there would be a time that there would be an eternity with us. In going to the cross, our redemption would be paid. And so Paul looks at that. First John 3 Two to three says this, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. What I'm going to be, I don't know yet, but when I see Jesus, I will be like him. Doesn't that excite you? That right now, things might not be so attractive. Right now, the suffering may be difficult. Right now, you might be at the, the middle of your race and feeling very fatigued and feeling very tired. But you know what? On the other side of the race, what you will be is not yet in appearance. You cannot see it yet but when you see him you will be like him endure this time now because when you see him you will be like him you're tired now but when you see him you will be like him Press in, press on, keep pressing on. 2 Timothy 4.17 says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. There is a crown set up for you. What, is, what are the gems in your crowns? What are the jewels in your crown is not the same as what is in your brother or your sister. But be rest assured, there is a crown. There is a crown that is awaiting for you. 
You cannot see what you will be, but when you see him, you will be like him. And you will receive that crown of righteousness. Paul presses on towards the goal because why? He has been claimed by Christ. Verse 12, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Christ has made you his own. Isn't that, isn't that just unfathomable? If you just look across the room today or if you were to look across um, the room on a Sunday, Christ has made each of us his own. If you're feeling as though you're not worthy of anything, if you're feeling unnoticed, unappreciative, uh, unappreciated, guess what? Christ has made you his own, and the person next to you who you think is, is even more important than you or more noticed than you, guess what? They are not any more his own than you are because he has made each of us his own. He has claimed us as his own. So Paul is saying that Christ has claimed me as his very own and so I'm going to press on because I belong to him. He had that Olympian runner attitude, not just running towards the finish line, but he's running to obtain that crown. So I just, want, I just wonder tonight, if you're running to obtain the crown of righteousness that the Father has for you, are you running fixed with your eyes on Jesus? Yes, Lord, I'm going to keep going. Because Paul said this, leaving behind those things, those things that... Um, here, well, let's read it, verses 12 to 14. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And then he goes on. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it but my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. What are those things that are to be left behind? Those things that would distract us. They could be the things that were hindering us and they could even be the accomplishments. In other words, don't be so proud about your accomplishments yesterday and boast and gloat in your accomplishments yesterday if it's going to prohibit you from your accomplishments in Christ today. Oh, I read six chapters of the Bible yesterday. I, it's okay if I don't read my Bible today. That's something that is left behind. That is something that you don't focus on. You focus on what you are pressing towards. The other thing that we leave behind behind is those distractions of those things that weigh us down. So we leave behind our accomplishments that we are not gloating in them today that it's hindering us from pressing forward into going into greater things in Christ. And we leave behind those hindrances that are distracting us because they're weighing us down that we can't see what is ahead of us because we are so weighed down by the burdens that we carried from yesterday into today. And sometimes that's the problem. Today is a brand new day, but I make it an old one when I carry yesterday into it. My feet haven't touched the ground 
from my bed, but I carried the weight of yesterday into today, and so I just gloomingly get out of bed, carry myself to the bathroom, Look into the mirror with displeasure of who is looking back at me because I am carrying the weight of yesterday into today. And Paul is saying, I am forgetting what lies behind and I'm straining towards what is ahead. I'm pressing towards the upward call of God. You see, we don't take yesterday's glories into today and we don't take yesterday's pain into today. Each day is a new day to press on in Christ. And I think that we forget that from day to day. I think that we forget that, oh God, help me today. Well, you know, yesterday I got this, that, and the other thing done. Today I'm going to put my feet up. And, da, da, da. and I'm not t- saying that we cannot rest, but I'm saying, Paul is saying, I put those things aside so that nothing is a distraction for what God wants to do in me today. For what God wants to make of me today. I wrote this down. It's a deception to live either in the past or in the future. God wants us to press on in the present because the present is where eternity touches us now. The present is where our eternity touches us now. Paul decided to press on. Are you deciding to press on? He didn't want to lose sight of what was ahead. He didn't want to lose sight of what God had for him. Let those of us who are mature, verse 15, think this way. And if, any of, and if in anything you think other God, otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I am pressing onward to this goal. You must do the same, Paul says. Imitate me. In 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Look for those. One time I was, I was speaking to um, a pastor, and, uh, you know, we were just talking about children and children uh, and, and how children act and misbehave and, you know, so forth. And you know, some people like to give their advice as to how you should raise your kids. And I have no problem with that. But I like to look at people who had children that, you know what? I like how their children turn out. I like how they raise their kids. You know what? I'm going to model after what they, they've done. Rather than somebody who hasn't raised kids yet tell me, oh, you know what, it sh- you should this, you should that, you should the other thing. Okay, you haven't been there, you haven't done that. I'm going to take my advice from somebody who's been there and who has done that. And Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm pressing on. Look for those that you could press on and be like. Let those of us who are mature think this way, right? That's what he's saying in verse 15. 
I press on, or verse 14, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So imitate me as I imitate Christ. Why? Because I'm leaving an example as Christ has left an example for you. And if there is any other in the faith that has modeled such an example, then model yourself after them. Why? Because he's preparing them to be warned that there are those that come in that are ones that you would not want to model your life after. Brothers, join in in imitating me, verse 17, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You could look around the church on a Sunday morning and you can find fellow brothers and sisters that could spur you on in your growth in the Lord Jesus, that could be an example to you. You know what? I know that one reads their word because when they pray, they pray the word of God. I know that one believes in the God that they are praying to because when they pray they pray with the faith and I've seen the answers that God has given them and so model yourself after such ones Paul is saying brothers join in imitating me and walk according to the examples that you have in us not just me but others that are leading keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us Instead of us looking around and being critical, let's look at the example that we could follow and model our lives after. But he says to them, be careful. Be careful because verse 18 and 19, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. You see, these were people that didn't bring glory to what Christ had accomplished in the cross. They were those that thought, well, as long as your soul was saved, it didn't matter what you did with your body. These are, here's, let's look at just some of the things that these individuals of verses 18 and 19 believed. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20, it says this, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. You see, some of these people thought, okay, I'm saved, but I can go on doing what I want to do with my body. But for the Lord and the Lord for the body, God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? No, never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written that the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality, 
Every other sin is a, pers- a, a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So Paul is saying, be careful of those that are going to feed after their own flesh. This is just one example in Corinthians. But you can go and read on your own time, Romans chapter 6. And Paul is warning, brothers and sisters, don't model after those that are just, oh, they're gloating in their salvation. But they're not living, remembering that their body belongs to the Lord. They're not living upright lives before God. They're not living morally pure before him those are the ones that and he says with tears in my eyes I'm warning you don't model yourself after them don't press on in your faith like them but press on and keep your eyes focused on Christ Jesus said this in Matthew 16 24 to 26 then Jesus told his disciples if anyone would come after me let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Don't go pursuing the lusts of the flesh. Don't go pursuing your own ideas. Paul says these individuals, God is it their bellies because they lived for the pleasure of the body they lived for the indulgences of the flesh they looked to fulfill what would gain them here on earth what would profit them here in this moment and in this now rather these are not the examples you have to follow know this he's saying guys know this your citizenship is not in this world so don't follow after after the lusts of this world don't follow after the ideas of this world that makes you look like you're the popular that makes you look like you're the one that has arrived in the success but know that your citizenship lies in heaven verses 20 and 21 but our citizenship in is in heaven And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Your citizenship, your final resting place is in heaven. Don't live after the the model of the world. Don't live after the ways of the world, but keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on the word of God and the directions that the word of God would give you. Keep your eyes fixed on him because as your eyes are fixed on him, you will know that when the suffering comes, there's another side to it. You will know that when your strength is weak, that you will be empowered. You will know that his grace is sufficient for you in your time of need. When your eyes are fixed on him, you will know that when there is a cross, there is a resurrection. But if your eyes are fixed upon the worldly pleasures of this life, you will never achieve enough. You will never obtain enough. You will never be enough because there is always somebody that is better. There is always somebody that has more. There is always something that you're craving after. 
crave after Christ. I like how 1 Corinthians 15, it's a little bit of a read, but this is the blessings that we have in the transforming work of Christ. So it says, verse 42 to 55, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. But I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all fall asleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on the put on immortality and when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortal then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting a hard read a long read but you know what it boils down to when we are in Christ, then there is no sting of death. We will be raised with him and we will experience all that he came to fulfill in, in redeeming us. When we see him, we will be like him. But where must our eyes be fixed? Our eyes must be fixed on him so that our lives are transformed but more so, so that our lives are Christ-formed. So that Christ may be formed in us. That's what Paul is saying. Press on towards the goal so that Christ might be formed in you. Press, press on towards the goal so that you could be transformed from that earthly way of thinking and doing into that heavenly way of doing. Press on that Christ may be formed in you. And when we surrender our lives to be, um, when we surrender ourselves be, to be fully controlled by him, then he will have his transforming work in us. Can we, after all that exhaustive stuff, say like Paul, that I may know him, that I may know the power, that I may suffer as he did to be like him. 
You see, suffering is not bad when we consider the prize that comes with it to be like Jesus, to be transformed into his image. Won't it be beautiful when we go to heaven and we see him and we look into his face and all of a sudden we see who we are? Because we will be the image bearers of him. In that very moment, we will bear his image that when we look upon him, we will see ourselves in him. He sees us that way right now, but we don't see ourselves that way because we see ourselves through the earthly eyes, through the fleshly ways, but Christ sees himself in us. And that day, on that day when I look into my Savior's face, I will see my Savior. And he will see me. He will see him, his image in me. Why? Because I will have obtained that righteousness. My presence, my soul will be in his presence. Isn't that something worth looking forward to? Isn't that something worth pressing on for? That today's afflictions, today's weight isn't carried into tomorrow. I know it's, it's easier said than done, but if I know that Christ is with me tomorrow, then I know that Christ is with me tomorrow. And no matter what comes, Christ is with me tomorrow because I'm pressing on to the upward call, the upward call of Christ Jesus. Father God, I thank you for tonight. I pray that, Lord, even as we go our separate ways after our time of prayer, that your word would just ruminate within our hearts, ruminate within our minds, that, Lord, we would have that desire to press on, that we would not be weighed down by the troubles that are around us, the cares of this world, the, 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 the struggles that we face from day in and day out, but, God, may we press on. May we press on for the joy of being in your eternal presence. May we press on knowing that you are being formed in us. May we press on to know that you are transforming us from glory to glory. Lord, may we fix our eyes on you, leaving and forgetting everything behind, as Paul has said facing the new days and the new challenge in you. Lord, let the word not die as, as we close it out, but let it continue to verbate within our hearts and minds this night and into tomorrow. And when that struggle looks at us in the face, may we look at it and say, I'm pressing on to higher ground. I'm pressing on to what Christ has formed in me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, they're going to, uh, we're gonna transition now into our time of prayer and um, we just wanna remind